You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today's episode, we start off with a little recap of muzzleloader season. Uh, and I realize muzzleloader season was, you know, a week or two ago at this point, but just the way the release schedule works. So this was the first time we had recorded since muzzleloader season wrapped up. So we give a quick recap of our muzzleloader season, and then we talk about air guns. So we all know, you know, I'm sure we all started off or, or a large majority of us started off with a BB gun, right? Some sort of air powered gun. Uh, that's not really what we're talking about today. They have now what they're calling large bore or big bore air guns or air rifles. And so we thought it would be an interesting conversation to just sort of explore the idea of hunting larger game with some of these big bore air rifles you know is it a good idea is it something that is legal here in ohio that sort of thing so that's what the discussion today is about before we get into that though i want to talk about our sponsor monster whitetail grub so monster whitetail grub is a premium deer feed company and they have anything that you can need from a deer feed standpoint so we're getting into the end of season and those really hard months for for deer right food is scarce it's hard to come by and so one thing that that we do one is you can monitor when the deer drop their antlers but it's also good to kind of just like to kind of supplement some feed for the deer in my area so monster whitetail grub is a great way to do that it's a good product it's got mineral mixed in it's like a, it's a, a, a coarser feed, so they don't consume it as quickly. They've also got flavored corn. And then if you just want straight mineral, you know, say you want to start putting mineral out in the spring, they've got that also. So check them out if you're interested in some deer feed products. If you go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors, you can find the sponsors of this episode and get in touch with them and try some of their stuff. And now we're going to get into the conversation. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. 
Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so today, the topic of today is going to be air rifles. And we, we came across an article about hunting, actually whitetail hunting with uh, air rifles. So we thought it would make for an interesting conversation. But before we get into that, muzzleloader season just ended. And this will release, you know, well after muzzleloader season has ended. But just kind of wanted to give a quick update on our our muzzleloader season for this year. So we, we went out and did our, our annual sort of family trip out to our grandparents' farm. And, you know, there's a couple woodlots out there that, that uh, we pushed through and try to get deer up and moving. And this year was the first year in a long time that we got skunked. We didn't see a tail. So it was, that was kind of a bummer, but it was good to get to get, get out there and, and, uh, you know, kind of see what's going on out there and spend the afternoon with grandma. So it was good in that sense, but really slow in the, in the deer woods. You know, we saw a couple coons and Jeff saw a couple black squirrels. So no deer, not a tail, nothing. <clears throat> and so then that was it for me, for my muzzleloader season. Um, Jake, did you go out at all after that? No, that was it. I did not. Um, I went out the morning before or the night before. Yeah, that was Sunday. Um, we So Sunday, you went out Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday evening I went and sat my property. Didn't see anything. Um, it was kind of a shot in the dark. The cameras had shown that the deer had went pretty nocturnal, but you can't shoot them from the couch. So I went and sat out there, but I didn't see anything. Right. So Jeff then stuck it out to the very end and had some success. So Jeff, why don't you kind of just quickly run us through your muzzleloader season after um, we all left the grandparents' farm? Yeah. uh, So after we left our grandparents' farm, I was able to get home in time to go out hunting that evening, you know, just for the last hour and a half or so of daylight well two hours of daylight and uh that night right at last shooting light you know i was getting ready to get down from my stand because i couldn't see my sights anymore it was still you know maybe 10 minutes till the end of legal shooting light but i couldn't see my sights anymore really like it was getting to that point yeah, and that muzzleloader doesn't have fiber optic sights, right? It's just right. No fiber optic sights. sights. Yeah, iron sights. Um, I painted, you know, because they were just black on black. I painted the front sight uh, like a fluorescent pink to make it stand out a little bit more. But it, right as I was getting ready to get down, a big doe walked in, and there was snow on the ground that day, so I was lining my sights up and i wasn't too sure i checked on the snow where i could see and it's like yeah okay i'm lining them up right and i took the shot and 
that deer just stood there and waited for me to completely reload. And once I put the primer back on and clicked the gun closed, that's what startled it, and it ran off. I don't know what it is about muzzleloaders, because I've had that happen to me too. Like, just flat-out miss, and they just stand there. Yeah. Like, shoot at them with a 12-gauge or something, and they're gone. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. There's got to be something different with the sound. I mean, even you shoot at them with an arrow, and they seem to react more than with a muzzleloader. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got to be something with the sound. And then Tuesday of muzzleloader season, I uh, got off work a little bit early. So I was able to get out to the stand with about 45 minutes of legal shooting light. And once again, uh, I was getting ready to get down because it was too dark for to see my sights. You know, I was getting I stayed too long Sunday, you know, and had a deer come in, you know, and couldn't really get the, the sights right. So I was getting down earlier today or on Tuesday and I stood up and turned around to unhook my harness from the tree stand and there was a deer standing behind me at maybe 30 yards and I shot at that one and it took off just took off it didn't react like I had hit it at all just sprinted away you know out of sight into the you know sure darkness if you will because you know i lost sight of it before it would have really gotten out of sight but it was too dark to see you know Mm -hmm. and i went over there just to make sure that i missed because i was pretty confident i had missed and found blood good pink lung blood so now it's getting dark quickly So I start kind of following this blood trail, but there's not really a good blood trail. There's no snow now. It's just leaves. There's not really a good blood trail. So I kind of just started walking in the direction I thought the deer had went and couldn't find it. You know, it's like there's only a few trails. It didn't go down any of them. So I looped back. Now it's dark, and I'm looking for blood, trying to figure out where this blood trail went, and I finally was starting to see, you know, find specks of blood, and yeah, just the deer stopped bleeding for about a 30-yard stretch, and in that 30-yard stretch, he had, she had looped back around and kind of did a circle, so she was actually in the complete opposite direction that I thought she went. But ended up finding her and getting her taken care of. Awesome. So, other than that deer Jeff got at uh, sort of the last hour, it was a pretty pretty slow and uneventful muzzleloader for us. And, and that's 
that's been unusual. I mean, the, like I said, the past couple of years we've we've gotten into the deer pretty good. So I don't know. We, we saw on Facebook, you know, a lot of you guys were posting that you were getting into some deer, so that was good. You know, we weren't we weren't the uh, it wasn't a common theme. I guess I didn't I didn't see it as a common theme that nobody was getting into deer during muzzleloader. So that was good. Yeah. So air guns. So if you're not familiar or if you're not aware, they are now making what they call big bore air guns or air rifles. So these things are, you know, a 30 caliber, like a 357 caliber air rifle or a 45 caliber, you know, they shoot a 45 caliber projectile and people are hunting with these things. I think this stuff is a lot more common over in Europe where firearms laws are, are much different, much harder to get a gun over there. And so hunting with air rifles is more common, more popular. But like I said, at the beginning, we saw an article about this where, where and I don't even know where it was, um, but it was somewhere here in the States where, if I had to guess, it's pro- probably Texas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Texas. Okay. So that you know that he had gone on a whitetail hunt and and shot a deer with an air rifle. So, I, you know, I'm sure there's lots of us that have uh, shot things with our our BB guns, right? The little um, one point seven or point. 177 BBs or, you know, and a lot of, you know, you, you got your, your sort of what I'll call kids BB gun. Right. But I mean, they do have like nice, uh, more hunting style or more precision air rifles and those small calibers. And, you know, you can shoot squirrels or that kind of thing with them. But the, the thought of these large bore air guns sort of poses some questions right like what they're not a gun right that you know the de- by definition they're not a gun they so can you hunt with them during a gun season if they're not a gun can you hunt with them during an archery season you know it sort of it sort of starts to pop up these questions right and the big bore ones that I've seen, you typically get a uh, a CO2 tank, you know, kind of like a paintball tank, 3,000 PSI or something, and it screws into the stock, the foregrip, something like that. That's how they go on. And, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't do enough homework to know how many shots you get out of, out of one of these tanks, but it's more than one shot, right? You can shoot for an afternoon or something on a, on a tank. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So yes. some have those detachable tanks. Some just have a, a tank that you charge inside the gun. Okay. You, know, you, you have a, a larger tank and you charge the gun and then are getting, you know, 10 shots off of each charge. And then you have to go to the larger tank and recharge it. Okay. Okay. We're going to pause here quickly and talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So I know we're getting to the end of season, end of deer season here, 
and deer sense is probably not top of mind, but one thing to keep in mind is Mastens also has predator sense. So if you're looking for enhancer sense, I think is what they call them, they've got those also. So if you're looking to do some predator hunting, that might be something you want to try or, or check out. If you're interested in that, go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors, and there'll be a link there to go to their website. You can order from their website, and they'll ship it right to your house. You can also go right to their website, which is www.mastonsdeersense.com, and it'll take you right there. Order your stuff, check out what they have, and you can have it shipped right to your house. And with that, let's get back to the conversation. But so... Some of the stuff I've been seeing just from a, like a, um, efficacy, right? The, the one I saw was a 45 caliber air rifle and they were claiming, they were making claims, um, you know, it'll launch a projectile at a thousand feet per second at, uh, with 600 foot pounds of kinetic energy. I'm assuming, I, I couldn't really tell. I'm assuming that's muzzle velocities. And, you know, there was, of course, the asterisk, which if you scroll down, it said depends on projectile weight. And they didn't say what what weight those values came from. But for comparison, I pulled some some common uh, hunting rounds, you know, here in Ohio, straight walled shotgun stuff. So, like I said, this 45 caliber projectile, thousand feet per second, 600 foot pounds of energy. The the Hornady SST slugs 12 gauge that's a 300 grain projectile muzzle velocity of 2000 feet per second and uh 2664 foot pounds of energy the federal non-typical in 450 bushmaster that again is a 300 grain projectile muzzle velocity of 1900 feet per second with 2400 foot pounds of energy federal power shock in 4570 again 300 grain projectile Muzzle velocity 1850 feet per second with 2280 foot pounds, so 2280 foot pounds of energy. And then lastly, I, I looked at uh, the federal non typical in 350 Legend. That's a 180 green projectile. Muzzle velocity of 2100 feet per second with 1762 foot pounds of energy. So much lower than. Um, you know, a traditional hunting round, uh, you know, especially a, a hunting round here in, in Ohio, right? And if you, if you go into your necked cartridges, your, you know, high-powered rifles or however you want to call them, right, those velocities go up a lot. And so it starts to get into the question of efficacy. And that's where the, the I guess, the topic of should you be allowed to hunt with these or, you know, are they an effective tool? And so Jeff, you actually reached out to the ODNR on this one to kind of get their, their input on this, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the legalities, you know, what, what animals are, it is legal to use air rifles for and what it's not. Um, Right now in Ohio, it's illegal to use an air gun to hunt uh, deer, but it is legal to use them to hunt wild boar and coyote. And then okay. 
all other small game species. Did they give any? So that's that's interesting, right? Like wild yeah. boar and, and coyotes are just sort of whatever, right? You want to they're anything you want to shoot them with. You know, people hunt coyotes at night, right? You can mm-hmm. everything's sort of fair game. Um, right. Did they give any reasoning or any explanation as to why they're not legal for deer hunting? Um. So not in the official answer, but kind of just in talking after getting the official answer. Because I, I asked, I said, you know, some states classify these air guns as like a black powder weapon, you know, a muzzle loader. Like and, a primitive weapon or something. Right, right. Is there any talk about that? Is there any future? And... Kind of the first thing they said was that there's been no interest from the public in really making these legal. Like, the public doesn't have much of an interest. And then also that they definitely don't fit the definition of a muzzleloader in Ohio. Like, they they don't fit the primitive weapon. You know, Ohio has a muzzleloader season, not a primitive weapon. And they don't fit the definition. Okay. So that's kind of the information that they shared. So, yeah, I guess if it doesn't fit the definition and they've specified legal means of take, you know, I can see why it's it's not legal. My, my, I mean, obvi- we read an article and a guy ki- killed a deer with an air rifle, right? So you can kill a deer with them, but just based on the numbers, the the efficacy they they it seems like they're less effective uh, than a, a legal firearm. And I think you know right. you mentioned that there's there's no public interest. Like I said initially, I think when public interest or or what causes public interest in this is if you can't get a regular firearm, hence the situation in in Europe, right? That's why they're more popular over there here. You know, we're, this is America. We can, (laughs) we can own firearms. We can hunt with firearms. And so the interest in hunting with an air gun, you know, I can believe that in that they don't have people knocking down their doors, sending them emails, letters, whatever, saying, hey, I want to hunt with an air rifle. Right. Especially if it, I mean, I think the possible interest may come if it were to be legal to use outside of your traditional firearm seasons. Right, yeah. Which I don't see that ever happening, but... You know, if it was something that you could use during a during bow season, that opens up a whole new can of worms because right. an air rifle is much more accurate long range than a bow would be. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I saw people shooting at a hundred yards and putting three shots, you know, in a dime sized area. So yeah, they're far more accurate and longer distance lethal right so i mean yes it's not going to have the efficacy of 
you know, a modern firearm, but at a hundred yards, if you gave me a air gun or a bow, I think I'd be more likely to kill an animal with an air gun than a bow. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah and, and another another area where people might be interested in them and why they could potentially push to make them legal would be in situations where, you know, urban areas where the noise of a gunshot would be startling the people mm, because yeah. these guns are quieter. I mean, they're they're very loud for an air rifle, but they are much quieter than a shot, you know gun going off well and the other thing that uh and boy i hope i'm not speaking out of turn on this but i want to say i've seen some videos on these air rifles where because they're not a gun you are allowed to suppress them without any of the uh you know the 200 hundred dollar tax stamp for buying a suppressor any any of that paperwork, the wait time, because you're not suppressing. You know, I think the federal definition of a of a suppressor is you know has says something about suppressing the 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 noise from a firearm. And since right. these aren't a firearm, you are allowed to suppress them, and then and then they're ultra quiet. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. They're not a firearm. Right. So I don't know. I, I guess, you know, for me, if you, you know, because people choose to handicap themselves all the time, right? People hunt with a bow during a firearm season. So if you wanted to do that, I, you know, you know, hear the first part of this podcast first where they are not legal to hunt deer with. But in Jason's world, Right. If you wanted to handicap yourself and and hunt with one of these, like, you know, I, I would I would not be in favor of letting people use these during an archery season. Right. It's it's that's going the other way. If you want to handicap yourself during a firearm season, you want to use an air rifle. I, you know, I would be OK with that. My question would be on the ethics and efficacy. Right. Because that's what I, I was, that's what I was going to say. I, I'm okay with you handicapping yourself as long as you're proficient and ethical. Well, because I think you could hit something at a hundred yards, but are you going to kill it at a hundred yards? Right. Cause I want to say that I've read, you know, like a thousand foot pounds of energy is like, you don't want to hunt with a round that, that, is producing less than a thousand or once a round gets, you know, say at a, at 250 yards, the energy that that bullet is carrying drops below a thousand foot pounds of energy. You shouldn't really be shooting past that. I feel like I've read some articles on that, right? It's a thousand foot pounds of energy. And this thing starts out at 600. So that's not to say that again, that you can't, kill a deer with it because we read an article where they did uh but what's at what cost at what risk to the animal that sort of thing right and, you certainly would have to be 
much more accurate. I mean, a well-placed shot, if you hit, you know, if you hit an animal in the heart, it's going to die as long as you can get through the hide to the heart. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? But you get through both lungs and collapse both lungs. Right. The deer's going to die, but it's, you know, unfortunately everyone I think believes that they're probably a better shot than they really are. Uh, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people. (laughs) Um, So you get a little overconfident and that's where it's nice to have, you know, that well over 1000 foot pounds of energy because that is the great equalizer. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you hit a deer with 2000 foot pounds of energy anywhere remotely around the boiler room, it's going to do enough shock damage to where it's going to correct you know if you hit one lung if you you know hit liver if you you know hit high lung a lot of times that's close enough to the spine that the deer will just drop in its tracks and that's really not necessarily a good shot you just happen to sever the spine with right that's where that's where like the, you know, the old, oh, if I can hit a pie plate at 50 yards, you know, with a gun, right. call it good, right? Because, right. like, the trauma that, that a bullet that's, you know, generating, what did I say, like, 2,600 foot-pounds of energy, 2,400 foot-pounds of energy is so massive that as long as you get it in there, like you said, sort of generally in that area that animal's going to die there's a good chance it's going to drop in its tracks right so when you start talking about 600 foot pounds of energy that's the mechanism i feel like the mechanism for for killing that animal is different right a bow and a gun a traditional firearm kill differently right a bow kills from blood loss you know collapse the lungs that sort of thing whereas a gun just it's just sheer trauma, right? It just shuts the system down. When you start getting down into that 600 foot, and that's at muzzle velocity, right? You're not you're not shooting a deer point blank, right? So as soon as it leaves the muzzle, it's losing energy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, how effective really are these things? Can you kill with a deer with them? Yeah, but, you know, if these things were were popular and everybody was using them how many deer would you would you lose to wound loss or you shot them and they left no blood trail so you never found them you know it just seems like it would be right just because right just because you can doesn't mean you should right you can kill a deer with a 22 if you right right put it behind the ear you know but that's i mean you've got to hit it it's a marksman shot at that point you know you have no room for error so just because you can doesn't mean, and there's a reason you don't, they don't allow 22s to hunt deer. <laughs> right. You know, it's just not right. effective unless you literally can put it in the size of a dime, which not that there aren't people that can, there's sharpshooters out there. There's people that do it all the time, but, um, it's much, much different. Like you said, than your 4570 that as long as you, 
remotely hit it in the front half of the body, you're probably going to kill it. Right. Yeah, I think these air rifles are probably killing in a similar way to a bow where they're kind of more just punching a hole. They're not causing the shock. They're punching a hole through it, but they're actually have a smaller hole than what a bow would have. You know, arrows are punching an inch hole. These are punching half an inch hole. Right. Yep. And I would imagine that the ODNR, you know, because you, Jeff, you said when you, when you called them, they, they knew right away, you know, they, what an air rifle, big bore air rifle, like they had. And yeah, they had a, yeah, they had an answer that was already set up. Like they knew exactly what I was talking about. And I mean, the manufacturers and they knew. Yeah. And they had an answer. So I would imagine that that efficacy thing also came into play when they said, yeah, we're not, we're not down with, you know, deer hunting with these things because I mean, you saw that in play when they legalized the straight walled cartridges, right? They had to draw a line somewhere saying, Mm -hmm. you know, below this threshold, we're just going to say, you know, things aren't effectively killing deer below this threshold right and they and things kind of changed there early on they were listing out cartridges you know initially and you know they had kind of drawn a line and then it was like well what about this cartridge and what about that you know and so then they just said um what's it nothing smaller than 357 yeah yeah and i i think also the entire case length has to be an inch or larger I'm not sure if that's still in the rules or not. At one point, the entire case length had to be at least an inch. Oh, okay. And I I think that was because at one point, potentially, the diameter was a little smaller, which would include 9mm, and they didn't want to include 9mm. So 9mm, I'm, I'm not sure, but at one point, it, there, there was a restriction on length it had the the entire cartridge had to be so long okay so yeah i don't know i don't, I don't have this is kind of a short one but you know it's just we were talking about it the three of us were talking about it and we thought you know what we should record this as a podcast because it's it's an interesting topic it's an interesting conversation to kind of explore and play around with the ideas and you know if you're somebody that would be really interested in, in hunting with an air rifle, you know, like Jeff said, they're, they're, uh, the ODNR hasn't seen a lot of public interest in this. So, you know, maybe you could, you could push the issue if it's something you wanted to do. Cause like, and I don't remember if it was which one of you guys, Jake or Jeff that said it, but you know, I could see a situation in an urban hunt where, you know, it, it plays a role. Those shots would generally be closer, right? It's people's, you know, half acre backyard, one acre backyard or something. Shots are close. You're inside of city limits, so maybe you can't shoot a firearm. And, you know, I, I would think that 
you would you would have more knockdown power with one of these than you would a bow, right? You would have less chance of a deer running off of your property and onto the neighbors, possibly, you know? So maybe this, you know, so I could see some scenarios where this is maybe the right tool for the job, but, you know, just to be, a, you know, generally to use it during a firearm season or something, you know, I would have some questions on efficacy, you know, in the big woods where you're shooting these, you know, shooting a deer at 80 yards or something. And that would be my concern. So you guys have anything else you want to touch on on air rifles before we shut it down? Um, well, probably just the, the cost of these guns, you know, I think maybe people might be interested. Um, they're, they're not cheap no. by any means. Um, I think that the cheapest ones I was seeing uh, were made by a Korean company and they were 45 caliber and they were about $650. Yeah, that's what I was seeing. The cheapest models I could find were in that 600 six to $700 range, but most of them are north of 1000 Yeah, yeah. Uh, the brand, I think the brand name is Air Force. They make what appears to be the highest end ones. And you're talking fifteen hundred dollars. You know that's, that's what you're going to have to spend to get a thousand foot per second. Right. That's a that's a company out of Texas or something, right? Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but I know that their top of the line one's called the Texan, so I would assume. Okay, so maybe that's where I maybe I made that same assumption because I saw that that yeah the Air Force Texan or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll drop uh, links to these things in the in the show notes if you guys want to look at them and and just kind of check them out. Maybe it's a maybe it's a uh, a fun plinking thing. You you know you know a big bore air rifle because um, well, and you can use them for other things, right? You can use them for coyotes hog hunting and, if you yeah, happen to have hunting. hogs around or coyotes or right. I'm trying to think of something else around that size, you know, a larger animal. Can't think of anything else really off the top of my head. Can you shoot? I guess. Are you legally allowed to shoot squirrels with an air rifle in Ohio? Yes. Okay. All, all small game. You can legally use an air rifle. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, technically the only things I think you wouldn't be allowed is, I, well, I no, the ODNR said no white-tailed deer and no turkeys. And then I also don't think you can hunt any migratory birds. Okay. But all other small game you can legally use an air rifle for. Okay. All right. So, yeah. You guys let us know your thoughts on, on hunting with air rifles. If you think it would be a good idea, if you think it's a bad idea, if you've, you know shot one of these big bore air rifles i'd be curious to hear about that as well so let us know like i said this was just a an interesting conversation that we that we kind of came across right we came across an an article online and thought you know what can you use those in ohio and you know so we did a little homework on them and and thought we'd get on here and have a conversation about them so with that just want to thank everybody thank everybody for listening Continue to share the episodes. 
subscribe to the, the podcast. That way you automatically get notified. And the other thing that, that I'll ask you to do is if you like this or if you like our, our content, our podcast episodes, take a screenshot of whatever you're listening to, to this on. You know, whatever podcast, if it's if it's Apple Podcast, if it's Google Music, if it's Spotify, you know, whatever whatever you listen to to this on, take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories, your your Facebook page. Your face Facebook also has stories. Share it to something, tag us in it. That way, we know that you guys are liking it. And the other thing that does is it helps get the word out. Right? It makes all your friends that that follow your stories or follow your page aware of the podcast and the episode and just helps the show grow. So if you, if you like this episode or if you like any of our episodes, do us a favor and, and share it. And with that, thanks everybody. Mm -hmm.